Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. Hello, everybody. My name is Griffin Newman. David Sims. And this is Blank Check with Griffin and David. Bonus edition. Uh, this is usually a podcast about filmographies, and it still is today. Directors who have massive success early on in their career, given a series of blank checks, make whatever crazy passion projects they want. And sometimes those checks clear, and sometimes they bounce, baby. True. Now, uh, in the past, we used to do bonus episodes. They kind of fell by the wayside for a bunch of different reasons. A couple directors who didn't have good Yeah, it was options. more directors didn't have a thing. Also, yeah. scheduling stuff. Sure. Uh, but we're we're trying this out now where it's it's not a full-length episode. We do it as a, you know, a bonus release the same week we're testing this out. I'd like to keep on getting to the bonus. It's nice to do some I like the appendix work. Something like this that's an early non-feature thing or sometimes it's something like the Animatrix that wasn't really made by the person or fully by the person. Right. Um, today we're going to talk about Family Dog, which was Brad Bird's segment from Amazing Stories. Episode. His episode. It's a whole episode. Which is kind of like three animated shorts it's in a three, weird way. It, right. It's three little movies. Right. So like three little- With the ad yeah. breaks in between, he set it up as sort of It's three. kind of like how those um, Cartoon Network shows used to be like- uh, Yeah, or like Rugrats Powerpuff like, Girls, where it would be like two episodes per episode, you know? Right, and then you have a little like interstitial, like yeah. a, a gag. little thing. Right. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> Amazing Stories, which was a very hyped-up show. Here's Spielberg doing an anthology show. It's like Twilight Zone, but full of wonder. Have you ever seen him? Uh, I've seen a handful of episodes. I kind of yeah. like the show. It was inconsistent. It was very expensive. It didn't live up to the hype. I think it was so sort of hyped. seen as a folly. Um, but there's good shit on it. And uh, I will say the opening of the show is the most pretentious fucking thing I've ever seen. Oh, my God. Where it starts with... Like, it's like all the, the great original stories. Right. The caveman by the fire. And then it ends with that caveman now on a TV screen. And there's, like, the CGI and there's, like, hieroglyphics. Yeah, that can go fuck itself. I'm trying... There was one I used to watch a lot for some bizarre reason. Maybe I had it on tape. Mm -hmm. That was, like... It was kind of basically, like, a... Uh, Little Shop of Horrors ripoff with like a plant. Oh, weird. Uh, I'm going to try and see. Plant. Yes. The 21 Inch Sun. A sitcom writer writes a script thanks to a spider plant that absorbs TV rays. What a weird. I used to watch that. Who is in it? Who directed it? They had a lot of good people behind the scenes on, on that show. No, they yeah. did. When you go through yeah. it, it's all these names that you recognize. Uh, it was directed by Nick Castle. Okay. Who was, uh, uh, who, you know, did uh, The Last Starfighter co-wrote Escape from New York, played Michael Myers. Yeah, he was, was a carpenter, carpenter guy. guy. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, read Robert Townsend. Right, Robert Townsend, the meteor yeah. man himself. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I used to love that one. I don't know why. There were a lot of people who like got their first jobs on Amazing Stories as well. I mean, like Brad Bird. Mm -hmm. But then there's also weird reclamation projects like Toby Hooper did. Right. Uh, yeah. Danny DeVito directed an episode. Yeah. Was that before I, he had made a feature yet? Or was 86. he already? Six. I'm trying to remember when he made. I think War of the Roses had come out by that point, maybe. No, maybe that was later. Throw Mama from the Train is 87. That's his second film. So War of the Roses. The ratings game, his TV movie is his oh, first right. film. War of the Roses is 89. Let's do DeVito. Hoffa. Throw Mama was before. I'm here to tell you that Throw Mama from the Train is 1987. Wow. War of the Roses is 1989. I'd like to do DeVito. Duplex. Matilda Fox. That must, must the children's films <laughs> fuck. 
I'm just testing you now. At this point, <laughs> you must know I'm testing you. It's all you do. Yeah. Uh, also, death of smushy rules. Uh, and by rules, I mean fucks. Um, so. Yeah. Brad Bird, who... Uh, what a, a thing I find very interesting about Family Dog. Yeah. Um, I, Which really just felt like Cartoon Network shit to me. Like yes. pre-Cartoon you know Network. I mean? Cartoon the Network. design. Yeah. The sort of... Well, I was talking about it with Ben, but yeah. Right, so, say your thing. Say your thing. Uh, I was a Tim Burton fanatic as a child. Yeah. He was sort of like the first director I got really obsessed with through the idea of, oh, there's a director. There's like a person who makes all this stuff. He's a real starter kit director in that way because it's like all his movies are about the same thing. They all look the same way. Right. You know? Um, I was such a completist that like Family Dog, the series is one of only, I think, two things he has a producer credit on that he didn't direct before the year 2000, the other being Cabin Boy. Sure. Which he was also supposed to direct. Weird. So I saw both of those things early on because I was like, I've ran out of Tim Burton movies. Give me other things. We're never going to talk about them, though. No, which is why I'm talking about them now. Exactly. Um, Tim Burton designed Family Dog. Conflicting reports as to whether he initially developed it as his the idea. The dog looks like Frankenweenie. A hundred percent. He designed yeah. all the characters. Right. And what I had heard was that he pitched this to Amazing Stories because Brad Bird and Tim Burton were kind of in similar places in their career Yeah. in like the early mid 80s. They were these guys out of CalArts who had really distinct styles and reputations. These guys are weird. They're going to do something. And Brad Bird kept on floating around the ether, almost getting projects. And same thing with Tim Burton. Yep. Uh, Tim Burton's debut film was almost After Hours. Huh. I did not know that. Because Griffin Dunn liked Frankenweenie so much, he hired him. And then when Scorsese got interested in the project, Tim Burton was like, that's fine, I'll step away. Sure. But Tim Burton was like developing After Hours. Mm. He was a guy who was being passed around. Same thing with Brad Bird, right? What I had sort of heard, but then I couldn't find anything online to corroborate this, is that Burton pitched this, I'd love to do domestic, uh, suburban, uh, nuclear family from the perspective of the dog, which feels very much in line with his work, yeah. especially in this early period. Um, started developing it, then his feature career took off. And Brad Bird, who was a classmate of his at CalArts, had sure. this reputation as probably the best pure animation director. The man from knows that drawing. Takes over it. He gets sole writing credit. I think he took just the germ of the idea, but all the designs are Burton. And Burton gets the animation designed by Tim Burton credit in the end of this thing. Yeah, he does get sole credit, though. And then when he creates the TV show, it is created by Brad Bird. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but Tim Burton gets an executive producer yeah, credit no, on sure, the animated series sure. as well. So I had seen the series, which Tim is Tim Burton's like, getting his checks. Yeah. His family dog checks. That thing is yeah. everywhere. I had seen the series, which was like four years later. Uh, yes, I it can was, look it up. It was um, in the post Simpsons wave of we need more primetime cartoons. Yeah, it was. So the it was on in 1993, uh, and the, this is 87. So six years later, it was on yeah, CBS, yeah. and it was a summer show. It aired June to July. So it was, I think because at that point they were dumping it, but it yeah. was like you remember Capital Critters. No, no, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, like there was this wave of like, what are other? Yeah, it's rip off the Simpsons. Yeah, right. totally put cartoons at it's funny that it was on cbs because i think amazing stories was nbc but maybe amazing stories was like syndicated it was also done by no it was nbc no i know i'm just yeah what What have you i don't fucking know um brad bird refused to carry over to the cartoon uh but he did create it like 
He gets a credit. I think that's a contractual credit. No, possibly, yeah. He had no involvement with the series, which mm-hmm. I had seen. And at the time, I was like, we're the Timber and Bruce. This, this thing right. is fine. It was a big disaster. Took them a long time. They, like, uh, were, got an episode order for of 13. They only ever produced 10. Yeah. They end up rewriting and reanimating a bunch of the first 10 after they were done and then loaded them off in the summer. Sure. Fuck that show. What have you. But I had seen those for years, and then when I became a Brad Bird fan later and started to understand his career a little more, uh, Ben came over to adjust my microphone. I did it myself, and now he's uh, Charlie Brown walking back in resignation to his chair. Um, then I dug into like, oh, that's Brad Bird made that thing, mm-hmm. and watched the original one, which I think I had seen, I don't know, mid-2000s, and then rewatched last night for this. Yeah. Um, it's a very interesting piece because it is like, this very expensive, like, uh, reel for what Brad Bird is capable of. That's true. At a time where people wouldn't hire him because they thought he was difficult and animation and we was in a weird in between space. Iron Giant episode, yeah. He sort of got this pass from Spielberg to be like, hey, you got 22 minutes. Do you know there was a Super NES video game? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Like, they really up. tried to make it a big thing. That's why... It took so long because they were like, there's a lot riding on Family Dog. We already have licensing deals. We got a video game. He's going to be on cereal right. boxes. So they like kept on pushing it back and redoing it. Like you say, it took six years. Yeah. I think it was in development four years or three years later, and it took another two or three years to make it on air. We're watching a Let's Play of the video game. Weird, right? right? It looks kind of cool. And the the cartoon show has uh, uh, Martin Mull playing the dad. Yeah. But it loses Annie Potts and replaces uh, her with Molly Cheek from It's Gary Shandling's show. Fair enough. Yeah. So I was talking about this with Ben. Mm-hmm. It's like these 80s cartoons, and the 90s have it too, that are just about these miserable fucking families. Yes. <laughs> Where it's like... That's the, it's that era of like, well, now everything's solved. We have all the conveniences and we live in these boring nuclear. And it's just like, it's always like the dad being like, you know, and the mom being like shrieky. Yeah. But I also, I also think. And that's what the Simpsons is, except the Simpsons immediately expands out. Yeah. Right. I also think whether he was starting this wave or just in line with a sort of cultural movement this was kind of a cornerstone of Burton's brand at the beginning of his career, which reaches its apex in Edward Scissorhands, which is here's a guy who grew up in sunny, beautiful California right. in the and 1960s like, and was miserable. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah. like here's my dad mowing the lawn. Here's my mom baking the cookies. And I think all of this sucks. And I'm really cynical about all of it. Right. And it's like less horrifying than Lynch, more funny, but like right. that similar vibe. Which is why I think it. Well, we'll never talk about Burton again. No. But, um... This game is weird, dude. You're still watching the Let's yeah. Play? You it's should like buy it. It's like all set in the apartment. Do they have it for Sega Genesis? No, I think it was an SNES... Uh, exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> it was a core part of their 1994 or whatever. Do you remember when certain video games were siphoned off as a Blockbuster exclusive and it was clear yeah, that, like, the developer like, oh, God. gave up on it? <laughs> right. They're like, we're not even going to sell this in stores. This is the it's classic like, game that you get bought for Christmas and you're like, what? Oh you know, God. like, you wanted Bone Storm, like, whatever the yeah. Simpsons joke is, but, like, you got fucking family dog. You're just playing Fetch. Look at this shit. I see it. <laughs> still playing Fetch. And so you would be like, well... 
you know, you're seven years old and you're like, well, this is what I got. So I'm going to play this game. Yeah. Do you remember a game like that, though, that you were given at Christmas? I had the Gremlins 2 game on the Game Boy uh-huh. that you're like Gizmo and it's like this fucking impossible platform game where your that. weapon is like a pencil and it sucked. And I was like, I am beating this game. I don't care. The thing is, for me, like I was a Game Boy kid and I liked two things. Like I liked like Mario Nintendo games. Yeah. And I liked games based off of movies and TV shows. Right, you're always, and you're still like that. Right, and there were so many video games I got that were objectively bad that I had so much fun playing because I was like, but look at me! Right. It's like you're getting peanuts. I'm Major Chip Hazard, leader of the Commando Elite. Like, I just had fun playing, like, the fucking Small Soldiers game, whether or not it was good. Yeah. So I don't think I ever disliked Did you like that a video Toy game. Story game? Yeah, it was the best. It's a good game. I got it for the Genesis now. I found the one I got. Which one? I like. I think literally my uncle was like, I saw you wear like a floral print shirt one time. <laughs> Leisure suit, Larry? No. That'd be good. Green Dog the Beach Surfer Dude. What? I've never heard of it. It's called Green Dog the Beach Surfer Dude? Yeah. Here we go. I'm loading it up. Because oh, they shit. thought you were a surfer dude because you were. I, I mean, my uncle literally knew nothing he was about grasping me. at straws. He knew my. He barely what is this knew my shit? name. I don't know. This but is it, like the cool spot game or whatever. Yeah. It was is this a video of, game that your uncle made? <laughs> I, maybe. Did can you play it? Did you, you play it? Can you turn the computer screen around? Was can it, I get was a it look like at a Genesis game or something? Uh, where, did what you the Genesis? fuck Genesis? is this? It, is, it looks weird. It is so weird. And I actually did end up playing it. And he's got not a really dog, he's a person. It. You get into him because it's yeah. like, I had this yeah. game called Cybernator, which is just like you're a robot and you shoot shit. I've never heard anyone, no one's ever mentioned this game no. to me in any other context. I like beat that game 10 times because what else am I going to do? So that's been our bonus episode. Thank you for listening. <laughs> what the fuck? I see, I liked the Genesis Aladdin better than the Super Nintendo Aladdin. That was the one where they were weirdly different. Uh, oh yeah. I didn't have a Genesis. My friends did, but I would like go play the Aladdin. Well, that's, so my, my friend Pat May, we were at like an old video game store and I found the Toy Story game for the Genesis, which I've said I have one of those like Genesis emulator, emulator, the $40 like plug and play thing, but it takes cartridges and I had only played the Toy Story game on the Game Boy and he was like, you know, that game is like insanely hard, right? Yeah. And I don't remember the Game Boy game being as hard, but okay. I also don't know if it was just that I was more diligent. Some of these games are right. It's Different like, versions were harder. Like I had a Game Gear, yeah, uh, because my parents like convinced themselves that like that was a good choice <laughs> because it like was color, so it wouldn't uh-huh. hurt your eyes, right. you know. And I had like Sonic Two on the Game Gear, which is like punishing. Yeah, it's so cruel. Yeah. Whereas like Sonic Two on the Genesis is fun and colorful, and like Sonic Two on the, it's just like fuck you. Yeah. This game sucks. Eat a turd, you <laughs> yeah. asshole. And so I would just play it obsessively because I was Those like, well, the I have level names like level sixteen. Eat a turd, yeah, you level asshole. Level sixteen is like you're an idiot, <laughs> dumb kid. God, this this Toy Story Game Boy game brain. looks weird. Oh, I love it. Oh okay, God. but look at like the Genesis version or the SNES version because the big selling point was it was the first video game with like CGI rendered yes, characters. Yes, no, I remember that. I remember how it looked. It was That was so the advertising cool. campaign was they didn't think Toy Story was going to be big so they just sold it off of like yeah. the characters are 3D. Yeah, I just remember the scene where you like it's in the nightmare. Yeah. And that was cool. Yeah. The, the, the level, not yeah. scene. Hey, are you tired of pretending that you've seen things like HBO's masterpiece, The Wire, when you're at a party and people start talking about it? Okay, well then you should check out a podcast called Never Seen It. It's hosted by comedian Kyle Ayers, and 
people will come on comedians and re- they'll rewrite famous movies that they've never seen and then they'll do a cold read in studio so you'll hear Dan Harmon's take on Lawrence of Arabia or your or Amy Miller rewriting The Shining or Flula Borg's No Country for Old Men and they'll do segments like what movie is Kyle's dad describing based solely off having seen the trailer and never heard of the movie or guess which three movie scenes are playing when the audio of all three is played simultaneously so they have fun with things you know you're supposed to have seen but never got around to. And uh, you can uh, listen and subscribe at iTunes or Spotify or TuneIn or wherever you listen to podcasts. So make sure you don't miss a single episode of Never Seen It. Anyway, Family, Family dog. dog. It's funny. What I was going to say is animation at this point is it such a, uh, a, a sort of a trough. As a medium, yes, right? in the eighties, yes, absolutely, of course. Because adult animation, you know, hasn't come back at this point. Pixar is but a, you know, a company in someone's garage, basically. In the feature department, Disney is slashing budgets, putting them together cheaply. You got the Bluth movies, okay. You but got the this Spielberg is what's happening stuff, concurrently, right. which is Spielberg saying, like, I want to bring animation back, and so he's the one guy who's got the blank check to be able to get animators big budgets. And the animation on Family Dog is way above TV animation. Like uh, I yes, look at this thing. Amazing. This was I think oh, not amazing, but it looks good. I think it looks amazing, yeah. and it was one of the most expensive episodes they did of the show. And as a byproduct, they like heavily promoted it as an episode, not just as the series. Like bought ads just for like this week Family Dog. It's animated, you know. Like yeah. this is going to be like movie quality animation. Right. That was still a cool gimmick at your home. Yeah, right, right. And so he had this massive like. Here's a premise that Tim Burton came up with that's really general. Because this is still like two years before The Simpsons? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I think it takes them two years to make this thing, honestly. Sure, sure. Um, So he sort of had a lot of latitude on this thing. And this is a fascinating artifact because it's kind of like, here's Brad Bird with the top resources of 1987 animation getting to show off what he can do as a director with no real ideology behind it. Like yeah. all the murky Brad Bird stuff that we've been digging into of like, is he kind of <laughs> fucked? What's up with you, Brad? Right. What's going on here? Like, this is just like, I want to show everyone that I'm a really fucking good animation director. I, I mean, I actually, I agree with you by and large, but the movie is kind of funny. I mean, the show is like funny and cynical. It's and very like cynical. Very fun. Like, I guess that's, there is that Burton-y thing. Like, I love the turn of him just joining the bank robbers. I mean, I that's, that's funny. Great. Yeah. But that also just feels like no, it's just like Bugs Bunny shit. Like it's like exactly. Great. It's yeah. termite terrace. It's like right, what's yeah. the funniest situations we can put these characters into? It's coming from a darker sense of humor. It's darker, but you're right. There's but that. You burden. can't read the philosophy no, of this dude. No, he's a dog. Yeah, family dog. You can just go like, God, this guy is such a fucking master of like performance. But I'll say this: it's yeah. a hard movie to summarize. Hard premise to summarize. Yes. Like if someone's like, "Oh, what's family dog about?" It's like it's kind of about how. The dog gets real, like, is really the sort of treated like shit by its family. And you're like, that's not like a thing. Well, it's not like everyone's right. like, you're right. The dog is always treated like shit. Like, no, it isn't. Usually the dog is well liked. There, there are three <laughs> acts. Dog. There are three yeah. acts of this thing, right? Where the ad breaks would have gone, separate yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're each kind of their own thing. So the first one is, here's just like. A day, a normal day, uneventful mm. from the POV of the dog and how everyone relates to the dog. Right. Which is not as much, I think, the game of, like, everyone treats the dog like shit. It's more the game of, like, if you're a dog, you have a perspective on every member that's different than how they would ever sure. okay. yes. react yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah. the humans. Yeah, 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 Right? The mom is very, like, 
shitty to the dog. But it's clear that it's just like the mom is almost at a breaking point. That she has this whole rant about her place Which I and love. The family. It's I know. It's this is what I'm saying. This is a she refers to herself as a line cook. Yeah. And like when she gives him the food and it comes out in like a can shape. Which is I, I think the single best piece of like animation direction in this thing. Yeah. Is the one continuous shot where she takes out the can and the like gross like cylinder of meat is very slowly dripping out of the can as like mm-hmm. one solid like chunk and you just watch the dog's expression change from like the pure yeah. like ecstatic optimism he's at like so excited food about his food to right. just getting more and more disappointed at what the thing is by the time it lands in the bowl he's like disgusted by it doesn't even want to eat it right um it's really good character animation yeah um but that's like the mom's relationship the boy is kind of like a little Ben. Right. He's like a little terror. Um, right? He sucks. He's like, he's like a no, Bart yeah, Simpson. He's got like a little like, sly grin. You're would, right. right. But I would never uh, hurt an animal. I know that. Okay. Because that's some serial killer shit. Right. But but that's that's this relationship, right? Yeah. Is uh, the the dog being kind of terrified of this boy who looks a little satanic. Yeah. Um, the, the girl, the daughter just wants... To play with the dog like a doll. That that feels very classic. Yeah, that is a dog's predicament. Right. You know, the, the girl or boy, whatever, wants to dress up the dog or whatever. Right. And the dad, he just like cannot engage. Um. Yes. Until the fart. The fart thing is a little fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> that was another, where I'm just like, this is a little fucked up. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Did that bother you? It didn't bother me. Or did that? I was just like, this is this is mean. It's kind of gross. Right. It's weird. But it ends with them blaming everything on the dog when the dog pisses on the rug, which is right. sort of like this boiling point moment where they're all right. fighting with each other so much. So, right, I get the that. The dog becomes the scapegoat. It's like, why? Right, yeah. So, and that's the I first I love how the idea. dog emotes, yeah. too. That's, yeah. It's so expressive. Yeah, and the it's dog such is great. great, like, classical animation stuff where it's like, like, this is the whole reason they've made 17 Ice Age movies mm-hmm. is because they just cracked something with that fucking Scrat character. Where it's like he's got big eyes and he wants to get the nut. And it's like so simple and so expressive that people just like that fucking Roadrunner Wiley Coyote yeah. game that they play there, right? Um, and this dog is just like, it's great that like it's all low level, it's like all on the floor. You're seeing everyone from these like low angles, or you're just seeing their feet or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's just kind of this sad sack who like can't get a break. You know, there's something like so working man about this dog. Yeah. He's just like trying Which to do like, his best. That's like half of animated animal characters. Yeah. Like half of them are stinkers. little stinkers. Yeah. And then half of them are like, I just want to fucking do this thing. Right. Half of and them are Griffins and by- half of them are Davids. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the bad one in that. Uh, yes, you're right. Yes. Uh, you're you're Tom and I'm Jerry. Yep. Uh, I'm a little stinker and you're trying to eat me. Okay. Bow style. Yep. Yeah. Bow bow. Um, um, so son. then, So then like the dog is on the lawn. What if the movie just ends with it being like, I ate my son and yeah. that's it. It's just the end of the movie. <laughs> It's just like dun 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 dun, 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 credits rolling. You know my dumpling boy. (laughs) You know something I can't believe we didn't talk about in the Incredibles episode that we just recorded. Sure, that they changed the logos. The logos. 
that the Disney logo they oh, redid in Incredible that. Style, and then the Pixar logo they did in red, which they, they never, have fuck never with fucked with. It looks so good, though. Loved it. And you know, Bird likes to change logos. He changed. He had that Iron Man logo that was very unique Iron to Warner Brothers. Iron Giant, sir. <coughs> what was that? <coughs> Woo. Yeah. Anyway, uh, like that. But so, like, Family Dog kicked to the lawn, sad sack at night. Here he is. And then just like fade to black. And then you just imagine them cutting to like, you know, a Dodge commercial or whatever. Yeah. You know, like Cindy Crawford selling Coke. I know. You're right. I mean, that's what Amazing Stories is. It's weird. It's kind of weird that that was on TV. It's crazy that it was just like, hey, you can do whatever you want. Spielberg is just letting filmmakers tell fucking stories, right? It's true. And some of them are hack and some of them aren't. Comes back. Then it's like a short skit, which is like the family watching home videos and just doing commentary on their home video. Yeah. That's okay. So that's the weakest element. Right. That lasts like two and a half minutes. Right, right, right. But it's also very similar to the beginning of Frankenweenie. Yeah. The live action short, which is them watching the film that he made and all just commenting on it. And you watch just the screen without seeing them, um, which is interesting just because the dog is so Frankenweenie-ish as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get to this third bit, which feels like the old animation tradition of like, you know, not just at Warner Brothers, but like all these other animation houses. It's like, okay, come up with a fun character. And then if your character's good... Then, okay, great. Now Droopy Dog's a hit. We want to make it a series. What's the next Droopy Dog cartoon? Like, the first act of Family Dog just feels like, here's the setup. And now it's like, okay, your character's a hit. What are other funny things you can do with this character? Yeah. Like, it's like they're already jumping to the sequel within the same half-hour block. Another thing I want to... Well, okay, go on. All right, go on, go on. How do you find other games for him to play, right? Right. And so this game of this shitty fucking dog who's always getting but he, all the blame. I, I'm on the dog side. I agree with you. I'm saying shitty from the perspective so of the humans, right? Yeah, They're yeah. like, fuck this dog. And the dog's like, I, I'm trying. Yeah, it's a living. Right, yeah, right. Sure, sure, sure. I'm sure, trying sure. my best here. Right. The, apparently the most crime infested neighborhood in America, right? <laughs> this is the thing. It just like, gets so dystopian yeah. so fast. It reminded me of Beavis and Butthead kind yes. of universe yeah. yes. of just like, this shitty town yeah, and sort of these shitty burglars who are like not even good at really disguising what they're up to. Right. And this nice looking family that's miserable in the middle of it. Right. Right. Like they got the nice house and the nice clothes and the big smiles, but they're also just like fucking angry. Um, Uh, uh, They keep on getting robbed every time they go out. They blame it on the dog. (laughs) Even the bit with the mom making the meal. Yeah. And then trying it herself in the kitchen being like, this is awful. It is weird that in the home videos, just to, like, yeah. yeah, there's the thing where the dog ate the Christmas dinner. Yeah. And they had to get pizza. Right. And the mom is justifiably like, pizza for Christmas dinner. And the dad's like, it was a good pizza. You don't like that because they didn't eat the food. I didn't eat, they didn't eat the food. Yeah. I also think it's shitty of the dog. He really sinks into that ham or whatever. Well, they should have been watching him. And then the dad should be like, yeah, no, that sucked. He's like, pizza was, who wants pizza? Anyway, whatever. Back That's to your thing. my dream. Just pizza. <laughs> oh, yeah, for Christmas? Yeah. So they're angry that the dog isn't a guard dog. Yes. Even though he is a cute dog. Why would you expect? But it's kind of funny to me because it's like that argument people would always make about dogs where it's like, it also keeps you safe. Burglars try to break in. And it's like, you never hear stories about that happening. Domestic dogs. It's like they bought like the fucking line from the dog commercial. Right, right, right. And now they're angry. The thing isn't doing the thing that it was never supposed to do. Yeah. Well, the predators keeps the criminals out. 
But then it becomes this, uh, like, very Burton-y, like, they have to bring the dog to, like, a conversion therapy right. place. Right, there's, like, four twists in four minutes, and the conversion place is very Burton-y, those characters. Yeah. Now, the woman... Sounds like Edna Mode. Must be Edna Mode. It must be Brad Bird. Bird gets a voice credit. I was yeah. just looking this up. It has to be. It has to be. Yeah. Right, because he gets a voice credit, but then on IMDb, it just credits him for playing the dog, like the whimpers. I think that has to be Bert. It it sounds exactly like his Edna Mode voice, right. basically. Yeah. So that's funny. They convert the dog into a killing machine. Right. But he, then, he becomes like Jason Bourne. Like right. he's like an snap. MK Ultra, right, like right, right, exactly. sleeper agent. Yeah. Um, And then... Well, first the robbers come in, and I like already the bit they keep on playing of the robberies happening all over, and that one shot where they walk in through the front door, and it's just the silhouettes of all the furniture that's missing. Right, <laughs> like the house right. is like completely empty, right, and the right. dog's just there, like. Mm. Um, but uh, yes, when the robbers come in, the dog bites the arm. Right, but then there's a great like cartoon premise of they're just like well I guess we'll just leave and he's just holding onto the arm right he just stays on the arm for like a long time until they realize that they can train the dog to, to commit crimes yeah. for them they have like a weird little criminal house that they live in yeah and then there's that scene at the bar that's like something out of like a Dick Tracy like comic where it's just like this rogues gallery of all these like disgusting looking animated creatures so I'm assuming the TV show is less fucked up than this like, the TV show is more just like a family sitcom. I haven't seen it since I was 10, but that's sure. what I remember being like. It's a family sitcom that's a little less from the perspective of the dog. Right. But it's like family shit that always somehow circles around the dog. Right. I'm, the one episode I remember distinctively distinctly is uh, the dog somehow getting roped into a, uh, a dog show. Okay. Someone sure. scouts him and is like, that's a great looking dog. Good premise. And he goes to the dog show and he's not well behaved and he fucks everything up by accident. And at the end, they're like, well, you win the prize for being, you know, he came in third place. And it's like, there were only three, dad. And it's like, it's still the third best, you know, whatever. It's like the dog just kind of fucks things up. That was what the show was. Um, Remember Fish Police? Yes. Uh, what was the other one? There was the one that Classic. Coopso did that was like a, a south of the border. It might have actually been called south of the border. It was like bugs in Mexico who lived under a sombrero. Do you remember that? Nope. Sounds weird. Yeah. Capital Critters was the big flame out. That was John Ritter as a mouse in the White House, right? Um, Neil Patrick Harris. Oh. Mm-hmm. Capital Critters. Yep. <laughs> okay. Oh my God. Rama's Storm. I'm trying to find. Oh no. Santo Baguito. That's what I'm thinking of. Thank you very much. Santo Baguito. There it is. Yep. That was like if I was homesick and like, oh, great. I get to watch Cartoon Network during the day. And there would be two episodes of Santo Baguito. And I was like, of course. They save the good shit for night in the morning. That's when you when understood kids what prime time was. Right. Yes. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Family dog. Family dog. Four stars. Yeah. It's like a good piece. Good job, Brad. Of animation. And it, you go, despite this thing being cynical, obviously Brad Bird's got chip on his shoulder. This maybe comes from a point in time where Brad Bird feels less angry about needing to prove how brilliant he is, yeah. which then becomes the dominant theme of his work. Yeah. At this point, he maybe still has some optimism of like, well, I'll just get jobs. People will pay me to do stuff because sure. I'm good at what I do. Yep. Um, Milkman. They say we want to do a series. He goes, I don't think this can sustain a series. Right. And steps away from it. Yeah, well, that's his damn integrity. 
Yeah. Gets him every time. But that's what everyone said at the time. Like, this guy's too difficult. It's How's he going to have a career? Yeah, now he has a career lecturing America from on high. (laughs) What a wacky guy. He's so full of rage. I love him. Um, so, so like, this is the thing, the real reason I want to do these bonus episodes. Because yeah. I feel like we used to have these sort of concluding Where thoughts. Where we're just sort of thinking about Brad. Yeah. Right. It's been fun talking Brad. It's been fun talking about him and listening to these episodes at a distance from when we've recorded them. Which I is feel, fun. Like, look, obviously this is a guy I like a lot, but he's super fucking messy to dig into. Yep. Right? And I feel like I've seen a lot more sort of uh, reevaluation of his work in the... You know, anticipation of Incredibles 2, people being like, is this stuff fucked up? Yeah. 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 But it's like good fucked up. And I also think. I also am just fascinated by an artist with a point of view, even if it's a point of view I don't agree with. That's my big thing, which I think is a cornerstone of this show. A lot of times people will suggest certain directors and I'll be like, that person's made a lot of interesting movies. Sure. I don't really know who they are. Who are you thinking about? Um, Let me get back to you on that one. Okay. Uh, oh, well, here's one. Someone started a thread in the Reddit about Kenneth Branagh. Sure. And I'm like, there are certain things I know he likes, like Branagh Shakespeare. Fun. <laughs> yeah, he likes Shakespeare. Right, but there's not necessarily a strong point of view. No, like, I think Branagh is more a guy who's like, I'll give that a shot. That seems fun. Like, he right. likes to work in different genres just kind of to f- fuck around. Like, right, because like he when... He likes 70 millimeter. Like, he likes beautiful photography. When, uh, when he started with the Shakespeare movies and he was so young, everyone was like, is this guy Orson Welles? And it's like, no, he's probably more like Richard Attenborough. Right. <laughs> he's like a decent journeyman right that's yes i mean attenborough is like a guy who i feel like is um i am making david lean type movies like you know and he's not here anymore but here i am to make these very classic epic movies about great people you know but don't you think that's what he's not interesting branagh would do if those types of movies still existed maybe but i think branagh He's he he just likes to do a new thing. Yeah, yeah. I think he just likes working. He likes working. He does like working. But like, that's why. But like, Branagh made a remake of Sleuth. I know, which is so bizarre. Which was like a bad idea yeah. anyway. But then it's also this cranky script written by like very old Harold Pinter, right? And like, like that's Cain a playing wild the other movie. role. Yeah, yeah. And it's really toxic and weird. And that was like sandwiched between two Shakespeare movies that were unreleasable. <laughs> Like one, those are sort of interesting. All of his Shakespeare movies are interesting. Yeah, um, and then his other stuff is. Did he do a magic flute movie too? He did. He did. I've never seen that. Me neither. Um, but he did. As you like it, that's the one that I think got like that's the HBO that was released one? in Britain, but it okay. was not in America. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to find his filmography. Yeah, you know, interesting guy. Ben is pointing at David. Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit. Yeah. What do you mean? Oh, what we're gonna do it on the bonus episode? Grew up in Britain. Grew up what? Britain. Grew up Britain. Kenneth Branagh. Ben is lifting his microphone all the way to the ceiling. No. Making an Artemis Fowl movie. No. Oh, right. He's making Artemis Fowl? Which my school friend is in from Britain. Nikesh. Congratulations. Really excited for him. Hey, actually, this is a great opportunity as a bonus episode. Mm-hmm. Should we retire bits? 100%. I think we should. <laughs> I think we should. Well, which bit do you want gone? I think that that might have been... Maybe the last UK drop? We can't. That was so... And we could bring it back eventually. Ben, that that was... It's not ceremonial enough? I, we were both so apathetic on that yeah, one. We were going through the motion. <laughs> you didn't, you even, need you to didn't like, even... It didn't register you for didn't, you. You'd need to really... The problem I have with the UK that bit... That was like old married couple sex. Like, we can't retire <laughs> on that. <laughs> no, the, the problem with the UK, uh, the UK bit for me is that it has poisoned every 
well in my life. Wait, which bit are you talking about? <laughs> Where like fucking what? people who I am friends with who already knew this about me and wouldn't make fun of me are now like, wait, what? You what? know, like what? Wait, everyone sorry, does it. David, I'm sorry. Knew what about me? Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I grew up in Britain. What? Oh my God. Oh my God. Uh, spoiler alert. Yeah, hold on. This spoiler is a bonus episode. What if people don't listen to this one? They won't be able to follow the rest of the podcast. Jesus. You were supposed what to be. What is this? Comedians in cars getting coffee? You're supposed to be a concert of context. People can have no context. Apparently, like apparently it's it's uh, comedians in uh, automobiles drinking tea. You know what I'm saying over here? Let me pay for this tea with some uh, <coughs> pounds. <laughs> it's not, he's not wrong. What? How many meters do we have to drive to get to the end? Like, I mean, God, do I, go, I mean, who do you even, how do uh, you? Did we have to, did we have to show up to the studio, get on the lift? I, well, I mean, in this economy, how do you even do that? Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, I who, can't even. Who are no. Here, actually, I have a question for you guys. because yes. I'm thinking, What's the British, uh, like word, you know, uh, that like jars you the most? You're saying lift. You're saying you know. You're doing all the jokes. I mean, this isn't a word. It's it's or a pronunciation. pronunciation. Yes, aluminium. Yeah, that one I I hear a lot. Drives People really insane. can't deal with that one. Aluminium. That's one for example that because when I went moved to Britain and grew up there. Wait a second. I'm sorry. Uh, shut the fuck up. Um, uh, there were some words that I adopted just as a matter of course because I just wanted to survive. Because okay. otherwise, anytime you say the word in your American accent. It's just mockery, right? right. And uh, aluminum was one I just, I couldn't get to aluminum. I just couldn't yeah. do it. It, it. I I There was a British girl in my middle school who like moved there from, um, let me try to explain this to you, David. She grew up in London and then moved to New York City. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get it. Uh, as like a teenager. <laughs> I'm so weak. And <laughs> what was the word she would say? When she would say that it would weird me out. It would give right. me like reverse ASMR. <laughs> and I also would be like, I can't even remember. Like, I want to be able to like mimic that to complain about how much I dislike it. And I can't even keep it in my head. Um, I would like sit down and be like, how do you pronounce aluminum incorrectly? Like which syllable would she put the wrong they add a letter. On? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's so weird. No, I, I have I'm the actual answer for you. Vitamin. She was very vitamin sucks. Vitamin, yes. Um, I just felt a, a, another chill down my spine. Mm. You know, it's another one that's subtle for me, but that always I'm like, oh, right. A man called. Sure. Right, 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 right. You know, uh, there's the dropping of the um, definite article. Like uh, he went to hospital, you know, things like that. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, weird stuff that like uh, just shivers. like you wouldn't even notice. Yeah. Um, uh, the, uh, the one I always hated the most that I always got made fun of the most was sidewalk. I always thought that was so mean that they would make fun of me for that because I was like, it's a perfectly ordinary word sidewalk. Uh huh. I went, and if I said like the word sidewalk, they would just be like, Oh, you're, 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 oh, you're going to walk on the sidewalk. Like they would just like lose their minds. They call it the pavement, which is stupid. Yeah. It's too broad a word. Yep. Agreed. Pavement means all kinds of things. So that was our but sidebar they, and Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> really drove me crazy. The point I was going to make is I don't feel like there's meat to dig into there. Even if there's meat in individual I mean, we'll, we'll films. We'll do Kenneth in like 2028. 20, right, know. exactly. Right. When when we've like <laughs> when we're just totally out. given up. No! We'll be you giving in. You just said that and I just pictured myself slowly be lowered into a grave. <laughs> 
2028? Just sit with an umbrella it's raining. Of course it's raining at my funeral. It better be. Yeah. We're doing bits. And we're going like, so today we're talking about dead again. <laughs> well done. Thank you. I have comedy points. <sighs> this is called... Where's the death card? Pod Ryan <laughs> Shadowcast. Sure, sounds good. Um, I gave it to myself. <laughs> no, it's fifteen a, minutes. Fifteen minutes. We're gonna. We're done. People online. Uh huh. Sometimes In go Britain, like you say them. They were queuing. Get the fuck out! Of- <laughs> hey, he spiked the audio again. All right, red card. No screaming right at the microphone, Griffin. That's an ace of spades. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, uh, uh, people online sometimes say that did genuinely just hurt my ears. There was yeah. such a loud. It was a crack, crack. Yeah, that's what happens. I hated it. Uh, Fix that, Ben. Too. Ben, I hated that. Ugh. Ben, Ben, I hated that. All right, uh, people online. People online will sometimes say like, "Does this person fit in the blank check?" Is this? Sure. And I'll see people in response go like, "They pretty much drop the premise," and I feel like. Whereas we started out as like this act of like, we're going to solve a mystery show. And the first couple of director miniseries carried into this, like there's a central question we're asking about this person. Even if we haven't had these bonus episodes where we kind of like bring the room together, Uh I still think there's always like- Rug apps, we could call them. Sure. Mm -hmm. I I like that. Thanks. Um, I still think there's always like us trying to sort of like figure out what their filmography is is sure and why they did connect at certain points and didn't connect at certain points and they have to be people who have some kind of through line there in some way or another for why they were so in touch with the culture at some point you know and either continued to be or escalated crashed whatever it is Mm. and there's so much uh meat to him to brad bird but this thing i keep on coming back to is when you know like people are like oh is he randy and you and i are like well actually it's about ethics and game journalism He's more of an like an exceptionalist, or is it that he's an elitist, or is it that he's this, or is it that sure, he's that? For sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. What I find kind of interesting about him is I sort of feel like at the end of the day, he's not someone who completely fits into a box in that way. No. I think he's got a lot of conflicting ideas. Yeah. And I think we're in a culture now where it's very much like, what are your party lines? Like, what is your philosophy that yes. you buy yeah, yeah, yeah. part right, and right, parcel? Are you on this side? Yeah, right. right, and right, you right. accept all the ingredients, all the toppings on the burger. Sure. And he's kind of a guy, like a lot of interesting directors, you know, yeah. who's like, his work is very personal. You see himself in there, and he's not telling stories about himself. And there are a lot of contrasting things. I feel like when you talk about guys in, like, the old studio system in, like, the 40s and 50s, mm-hmm. you'd sometimes have those things where you'd be like, it seems like he's for this but against this. Yeah. You know? He's, like, anti-war but, like, pro-capitalism. Is that uh-huh. is that it in there or am I just reading into it too much? Okay. And because he's working on such a high level in, like, big, expensive studio products, either doing, like, big live-action blockbusters or family films, it's kind of interesting the way that stuff gets smuggled in there and can't totally be parsed. Because he's not offering them up as pat lessons. Like, the lesson is always share. Don't lie. You know? Right. Yeah, and a lot of Disney movies especially are like, the lesson is it's important to be yourself or whatever. Like, there's like seven movies that make the same same message. When I was like five or six and like starting to really like become obsessed with like stories, 
Because I'd hear my parents like use certain terms and I'd be like, oh, so that's like it's called this when that happens in a story and this and that. I got really into like the moral of the story thing and the idea because children's entertainment like almost always has a moral, Mm -hmm. which I think the Incredibles movies have like a lot of ideas and lessons in them and things like that, you know. Right. But like they're pretty devoid of like a clear moral to carry through with you. Okay. Uh, But I have this very distinct memory as a child where I was watching all the Disney movies. And would, like, parse the moral. And I was like, okay, so the moral is to always do this and never do this. Okay. And I was watching The Aristocats for the first time. Not a movie I like. And I turned to my cousin who was, like, 17 at the time. And I was like, so what's the moral of this story? And he was like, I don't know. Everybody wants to be a cat. (laughs) (laughs) And at the time I found that very— Life's good if you're a cat. <laughs> at the time of the movie, like as a six year old, I found that so unsatisfying. And when I think back to it now, I'm like, that's one of the funniest things that anyone's ever said Very to me. Very funny. Just this jaded 17 year old in the house the with moral a six year old. The Aristocats. There isn't, but that final number is all of them like jamming on the piano, going, everybody wants to be a cat. And I was like, what's the moral of this story, wiser, older person? And he was like, I don't know. Everybody wants to be a cat. Be Fuck a cat. this. I don't want to talk to a kid. <laughs> Oh, what a bad movie The Aristocats is. Yeah. It is true, though, that everybody wants to be a cat. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. All right, fine. Truth and comedy. That's the end of, <laughs> that's the end of Brad Bird. That's oh, the end of rankings. Brad Bird. Okay, so here we go. Ranking them. I got my ranking. I'm pulling it up. Okay. Ready? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Dear dears. Number one. Six movies. The Incredibles. Okay. Number two. Ratatouille. Ratatouille. Number three, The Iron Giant. Mm-hmm. Number four, Ghost Protocol. Go to call. Number five, Incredibles 2. Number six, Tomorrowland. Well, I have the same list as you, except the first two are flipped. You you got two E as tops. I'm two E, Incredibles, Giant, Go to Call. I got two E at two. You got two E at tops. Tomorrowland 6th. Like them all. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, he's a symphonic filmmaker. Like, even when he fucking misses like he does in Tomorrowland, it's like... It's crazy. I knows how to make movies, and it's crazy and it's engaging. Uh, even when there's stuff in it that's maddening. Maddening. Um, he's, I just think he's a guy who's incapable of making an uninteresting movie. Family Dog's weird one. Very weird. Weird. Um... I was thinking about pitching something, but I'm not going to do it. What? Anymore. What do you want to pitch? Then can we end this episode with "Do the Bartman"? Why? Why? He directed. He, the, on the he directed that music video. All right, let's end it. That was his other big credit. You can sing it. Do the Bartman. What it is? Yeah. How does? What? Are, what are yeah, like? Everybody, follow me. Do the Bartman. You know, there's a rumor that Michael Jackson wrote "Do the Bartman." Mm-hmm. He didn't want residuals, and now that he's died, the guy who got the credit is like, "No, I'm, uh, I wrote do the Bartman." He produced it. Yeah, yeah. Brian Lauren. The rumors that he called up Matt Groening and was like, "I want Bart Simpson to have a number one hit." Uh huh. And then sent him, you know, sheet music that said, "Do the Bartman." And he's in that weird episode. Yeah. This is why you tune into bonus episodes, folks. What a weird episode that is. So that you can do the Bartman. The uh, Stark Raving Dad. Dad. It's yeah. a weird one. Well, he didn't get credited because... John J. Smith is his credit. Wait, had, can you... Do you remember that song? 
Uh, uh, the new birthday song? Yeah. Happy, Lisa, it's, it's your, your birthday. birthday. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday, Lisa. Uh, I mean, Bart's Lisa. part is, uh, he gave me the gift of a little sister, and I'm proud of you today. Okay, look, folks, it's been a fun bonus. I don't know what to tell you. Smell you later. He had no time to make it. I'm just reading about Do the Bartman. Yeah. Well, he had to get on a plane to Hungary. Listen, where well, it was the animated. Bar- the song Bartman is is copyrighted. Right, so let's play it. Yeah, let's play it in full three times. One, two, three. <laughs> Can you edit the minutes? <laughs> really bad points in the episode. episode out. Oh, we're at 50 minutes. All right. Yeah, okay. okay. Thank all you all right. for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Ben's head is in his hands. Right, he spread his two fingers out we're a little done. bit so I can see his next, glaring eye. Next week, Ang Lee, Ang Lee, uh, uh, Pushing push hands, hands and um, wedding The banquet. Wedding Banquet two, 2 for 1. Two movies. One of them is amazing. One of them is fine. Right. It's the opposite of this episode where we didn't have enough to talk about. In the next episode, we got two movies to talk about. Uh, we recorded that one, I don't know, fucking eight months ago. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, I think, uh, uh, do we just be Truman in the newspaper? Exactly. Right. Um, thank you all for listening. Rate, re subscribe. And for good for social media, Joe Bone, Pat Rounds for artwork. Liam Montgomery for the theme song. Go to blankies.red.com uh, for some real nerdy shit. And as always, wait a second. What's, do you see the lights going down? Oh my God. What? It's flashing. Oh my God. Look at those cables. They're lifting something. What is it, a jersey. What does it say on it? The David is from UK bit. It's being lifted to the rafters. Oh my oh god! Oh my god! This better be real. That's what I'm it's saying. Retired. Is it in the rafters? Look at that! It's in the rafters. Okay. Well, all right. Let's salute okay. it. Okay. Oh my so god! So you're not let's gonna make fun of me it. anymore? A lot of good times were had with. Yeah, but that this bit. is it. This is it. We're this done. This is it. We're we're done. Well, it's... what do you want me to promise? That we're not going to do the UK bit, or that we're not going to make fun of you anymore? That, that you're not going to do the UK bit. If I say I'm from the UK, you just accept that as a matter of fact. God, <laughs> this is what I'm saying. You want to put it in the rafters, Griff? It's you got to do it. I know, but and you I just, like the bit of having saying things it in the right rafters. Now, it was so hard for me <laughs> not. Like, it's a fucking reflex for you. It really is. Dicks. I genuinely felt like a physical, like like a clenching to stop myself from saying it. Fine, it's in the rafters. I didn't That's do a, it. I like the rafters bit because then it's like another weird bit of marginalia for our fans <laughs> to like build out a Wikipedia page about. Okay, so now we have cards. <laughs> And we have the UK bit. <laughs> out with the old, in with the new. The UK bit is in the rafters. It's done. It's yeah. out of here. It's retired. And this is why you got to listen to the bonuses, or otherwise, you're, you're not, not going to be able to keep track of the, the narrative. Ah! <laughs> Fuck. Fuck. That's, it. That's the end of the episode. Get out of here. <laughs>